Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 27, Daniel 70 Weeks, Part 2. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I am Scott here with Zena. And Zena and I are going to talk about the things in the Bible the world does not want you to know. Are you guys ready to swallow that red pill again? You know, I tell you what, I think a lot of people do already because we found out we're over 8,000 unique listeners. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We do appreciate it. We really do. And hopefully that this is going to be a message that will bless you and encourage you and strengthen your faith. Yes. We love the open-mindedness. Amen. And for a lot of people that have never heard any of these things before, we appreciate hearing from you too. Some of you have written to tell me that you've uh, never been interested in the Bible until hearing these things. So we're just grateful that you would let us know. We love hearing from you. Uh, I know we ask you each week to subscribe, like, and share and all that (laughs) stuff, but feel free to email us too. Don't forget, utbnow.com is the website where you can send us an email or whatever if you want to. Yes. And so, Zena, we were talking about Daniel's 70 weeks last podcast. Yes, we were talking about how one man made a huge confession for Israel. That's right. And we just got into the start of it. There was more he had to confess, Mm -hmm. but we read enough to get the idea of where it was going. And what we learned was this man, Daniel, was representing Israel making a confession being in captivity. Yes. So they're in an oppressive situation, and we're going to see it's a picture of what ultimately happened to Israel after Jesus Christ was crucified. Yes. So here they are scattered among the nations and in that sense in captivity. They're they're prophesied to be restored, put back in their land, become one people under God again, and a royal priesthood we saw. Yes. So we're going to pick up where we left off there, and we last talked about the fact that Daniel represents Israel making the confession, and so God turns his face back to him and sends an angel to talk to Daniel and give him some words, and the words he gives him ends up being the prophecy of the 70 weeks, which is in a sense saying, what you've just been through is a picture of what's going to be done here. Yes. So we'll go to that picture in Daniel chapter 9. Verse 9 again, we're kind of picking up where Daniel's prayer left off in verse 16. He says, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. So you can see as he makes the confession, he's acknowledging we're getting what we deserve. Yes. You're punishing us because of what we did. And he's asking, would you please turn your mercy back on? (laughs) Turn your anger away from us. 
Uh, verse 17, now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, humble begging, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate. The, the temple was burned down. For the Lord's sake, O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations. And remember, he's hiding his face, so he's not seeing it. You know, when God divorced him and said, you're not my son, whatever, it's like he said, I will go and hide my face from them. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, please turn your face back so you can see what's happening. Yes. So you can see it. Oh, my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name, which is Jerusalem. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. We're not asking you to restore us because we're good. We know we did bad. Mm -hmm. Just show us mercy. Yes. Sometimes people say, I want justice. I want justice. And in reality, if I got what I deserved, I'd be in jail. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'd be in hell. Mm -hmm. But if I get mercy, I get something I don't deserve. That's true. But that I greatly desire mm -hmm. right, and need. So verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not. Don't delay. For thine own sake, O oh my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. So Daniel must be aware that even though they're not his people now, they will be his people again. Yes. And he's saying, we want to restore that relationship. Okay. So as he makes this confession, Daniel is a picture of the National Salvation Program of Israel. And here they are making their confession in their affliction so God will turn his face back to them. And he does. But we'll get to that angel in just a moment. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 10 right now because we're going to see something that, again, is one of those mysteries that churches don't really focus on, okay? okay. We, we go to the New Testament where they spend a lot of their time, and in the book of Matthew in particular, where plenty of time is spent in many churches. But they miss something that's kind of obvious to me, but it's not taught in the way I think it should be. Okay. So Matthew chapter 10, Jesus called the 12, and he names them. So it's sort of like, okay, after I've chosen you 12, now here's your mission, right? Okay. So here's the mission. It says in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, now watch this, go not into the way of the Gentiles, which are non-Jews, mm -hmm. and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not. Half Jews. There's a reason for that. We get into another time. But Samaria was a region that was north of Judah and after they came back from the captivity of Daniel's time, some of those Jews got, you know, um, carried away and married the non-Jewish people of the land and started worshiping idols again before Judah did. Okay. So they were looked at as like, you're the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. You know, you're not really a Jew. Mm -hmm. So Samaria was considered to be not quite Israel at that time. Okay. Even though it was in the region that they occupied. So he says, don't go to Gentiles, don't go to Samaritans. Now, why do you suppose that is? Why would Jesus call 12 men and say, don't go here, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Isn't he trying to get Israel to make their confession and take him in? Bingo. That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. In <laughs> other words, Gentiles don't need to make a confession. No. And technically speaking, the Samaritans don't either because of what they're involved in, mm -hmm. idolatry. And Israel still had the law, still had the priesthood, still had some things that if they would have turned, would have allowed them to then go be the voice to the Samaritans to correct them and then be the voice to the Gentiles to get them to God. Yeah. That's what they were always supposed to do, but they never got there because of their own failures. 
So Christ is the king. He's here saying, preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the kingdom of heaven is he's the king. So he's got the kingdom. Mm -hmm. If Israel accepts him, they go into the kingdom and they can begin to be the priesthood of God they're supposed to be. Okay. It should have happened 2,000 years ago. But it didn't. But it didn't. Because they said, we don't want this man to reign over us. So they killed him. And in effect, they chose Caesar over Christ. Ew. Because Rome still was the empire occupying the world at that time. Yeah. So Israel was under occupation. They weren't free, truly free. So if they had accepted Christ, it could have been truly free. But the leadership of Israel said, no, we'd rather have Caesar and bondage than have this man reign over us. And that whole thing was satanic because remember, Christ had told the leaders of Israel, you are of your father, the devil. Yes. And the works of your father you will do. So they had a satanic leadership just like we do today. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We absolutely have satanic leaders in the world today. Now, they rejected him, but he rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. So the truth was he had to die to pay for sins. Yes. And that was a mystery too. Well, once that began to be proclaimed by the 12 whom he trained to preach, they no longer said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because they then knew they didn't know when the timing would be mm -hmm. because everything about this 70 weeks ends up getting put on hold. Yes. And they don't know exactly why, but they just know that they're not supposed to say it. So they never again said the kingdom of heaven was at hand, mm -hmm. but they were preaching to the Jews to join them and be part of that royal priesthood. Yeah. They were calling out a people from a bad people. So, hey, look, this may be a bad nation, but there's some good apples in here. Mm -hmm. Let's gather the good fruit before he burns it to the ground. Yes. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So he says as much in the book of Acts chapter 3, and by he, I mean Peter. So we go to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, and he kind of wraps up a message to the Jews in Jerusalem when he says in verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So there's a national blotting out and total forgiveness of sins for Israel when, when the times of refreshing shall come. When is that? Verse 20. And he shall send Jesus Christ. Okay. Which before was preached unto you. You could have had him before. Yeah. But whom the heaven must receive, that's where he is now, back with the Father, I'll go return to my place mm -hmm. till they acknowledge their offense, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You've heard of the term restitution? Yes. It means to pay back. Like, okay, I wreck your car. I owe you some money. Mm -hmm. My car is damaged. I can't drive to work. So I have to make restitution. All right. Well, in this case, it wasn't God that did anything wrong. He's making restitution for Israel because they sinned against him. But he says, I'll restore you. Remember, there's hope. You'll be my people again. And when you do, I'm going to bless you like you won't believe. Yeah. Restitution. Times of refreshing. Okay. And he said, it's been in the mouth of all the prophets since the world began. So God's been telling them, if you'll straighten up, you can have all this. Yeah. And they kept turning and going the wrong way. Left hand instead of the right, right? And I mean, no offense to Southpaws. <laughs> but in the Bible, the left hand is the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And the right hand is the correct way. So he says in verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, he'll be a Jew, like unto me, like Moses. 
Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall see unto you. How was Jesus like Moses? Moses went up to a mountain and God gave him the law. And he read the law in the ears of the people. Jesus stood on a mountain and he preached, blessed is he that does this. Blessed is he. He gave the New Testament law in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. That's how he's a type or Moses was a type of Christ. Okay. His law wasn't bondage. His law was liberty. See, mm -hmm. liberty in Christ Jesus. He says, you'll listen to him and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, prophecy of Jesus, shall be destroyed from among the people. So God's going to basically weed out the chaff and save the wheat in Israel. He's going to burn up the ones who won't accept, and he's going to receive the ones who do accept Jesus as king. And he says in verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many have spoken, likewise have foretold you of these days the days to come, the refreshing. Yeah. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds or families of the earth be blessed. And the seed ends up being Christ. Not Israel, the seed of Abraham, but Christ, the seed of Abraham. Okay. Because Paul later on points out the word seed, there wasn't seeds as of many, like the entire nation. Mm -hmm. It was thy seed as of one. And the seed of Abraham, the promised seed, is Jesus Christ. So that's why it says in verse 26, Unto you first, God, you Israel first, God having raised up his son Jesus, send him to bless you in turning every one of you from his iniquities. So when Paul wrote that blindness in part was happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and then all Israel shall be saved as it is written, well, what's written is the Israel that's going to be saved are the one that turn from their transgressions, the ones that turn from their iniquities, which means they're going to have to stop denying Christ is Messiah, and they're going to have to accept him as king. Okay. Okay? And that's all part of their confession. Get to confess in Israel. It's really true. God will blot out Israel's sins when Israel turns back to the Lord and Jesus Christ returns to restore them as a nation. Has nothing to do with individual salvation right now. The moment you trust Christ as your Savior, your sins are blotted out. You have what Israel as a nation is waiting for. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. It is. Because technically, Israel was supposed to be the people of God that would reach the world. And the world, the Gentiles, would come to God through Israel. Well, they fell. They got blinded for a time. Mm -hmm. And that's what the 70 weeks are going to be all about. But in the meantime, what hope did a Gentile have? True. How are we going to come to God through a people that had rejected God? Mm -hmm. And then he had to reject them. That's why God literally had to raise up a man whose name was Saul and changed his name to Paul. And he became the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, why did he change his name to Paul? My personal belief is because the name Saul is a Hebrew name. The name Paul is Greek. It's Paulos. And incidentally, it literally means to cease or pause. Okay. So Paul was raised up to be the apostle of the Gentiles because a cessation in the program took place in the clock of the prophetic 70 weeks. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to try to dig into that and find out when did it stop and why. 
Oh, okay. very interesting. You got it. So that for that, we go back to Daniel chapter 9. So we're going to get the specifics of the timetable here. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky because we have to be careful to realize that the seven in the terms of weeks is going to be seven years. So it's 70 weeks or 70 weeks of years, Okay. which is 490. Okay. So in verse 20, we get to the point where the angel comes. I want to talk about that before we, <laughs> before we get to the numbers. So it says in verse 20, back to Daniel, whiles I was speaking. I like that word, whiles. I do. And whiles I was speaking <laughs> and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, which is Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Yea, whiles I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, which was like a prayer and sacrifice. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. And I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So it's like these are the words that he said, here's the reason why I'm here, Daniel. Your prayer was heard. And the moment you started making the confession, God said, go talk to him. Go tell him the words I need you to say. So angel Gabriel says the man Gabriel, but we know he's an angel because he flew. Because mm -hmm. men don't fly. No, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> not without an airplane. And so... He goes back, and then the very next verse starts, 70 weeks are determined. So this is the information that Gabriel needed to give Daniel. So God hears Daniel's prayer. The angel Gabriel is sent to inform him, and he begins to tell him about the 70 weeks. He says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, Israel, and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression. In other words, finish being punished for rejecting Christ which hadn't even happened yet, mm -hmm. right? And to make an end of sins, all of their rejection and rebellion over the centuries, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, having to do with their turning to worship idols, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, which will come through Jesus, mm -hmm. and to seal up the vision and prophecy, which means to bring it all to pass, and to anoint the most holy, which would be anointing of a king Christ will finally return to be the king and reign over Israel. Mm -hmm. Okay? So all that has to take place in 70 weeks. No now, pressure. No pressure at all. Now, the 70 weeks would have been long ago transpired because this is centuries before B, the A.D., before Christ was born. Mm -hmm. So even if we were talking about years, um, it would have been close to the time of Jesus Christ. But this is why we've got we to look at these numbers. They are years but something interrupted. So a week equals seven. And so you hear the week now, erase from your mind the thought of days. Okay. A week of seven days. A week just means seven. Seventy weeks of years is 70 times seven, so it comes up to 490 years. So the prophecy is a 490-year prophecy, okay? Because the we nothing transpired in 70 actual weeks of days. In other words, 490 days, nothing took place. It was well after that that the decree came that started this timetable. Okay. okay. So what is that decree? We go to verse 25. 
Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, which was burned down by Nebuchadnezzar when they were carried captive into Babylon. And watch this, unto the Messiah, the prince. They were told there was going to be a Messiah who would come. And when he came, he did signs and miracles and wonders to prove that he was who he was. Uh And they still killed him. That's the Israel we're talking about here. Wow. <laughs> That's why God's waiting for them to make their confession. Because mm-hmm. he thought, I did everything I could to get you to see it. And you still turned away from me, you know. Yes. But he still loves them. See, so that's the amazing thing about God's mercy. It's I know, such he's a so picture. loving. He's such a picture of love. So he says, understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, which we now know if a week is years, it would be seven times seven years or 49 years. Okay. So seven weeks equals 49 years. That's not super important, but it actually was 49 years that it took to rebuild the city when the commandment went forth. Okay, the city of Jerusalem, which was destroyed. So seven weeks and three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Now, a score is an Old Testament way of saying 20. Okay. So three score would be 60. So like when Abraham Lincoln said four score and so many years ago, mm-hmm. he was talking about 80 something years ago. Okay. Right. He was talking about the, the revolution. So a score is 20. Three score is 60. Three score and two is 62. So what we've got is he broke up the prophecy into three sections. Seven weeks, 62 weeks, Mm -hmm. and then one week. Okay. So seven weeks plus 62 weeks equals 69. And the prophecy is 70, so there's one week left. If that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. So what would happen? What happened in 70 weeks? Well, the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem went forth, and it took them 49 years to do it. Okay? And then the other 62 years, or excuse me, 62 weeks, okay, brought forth Jesus, and then what would happen later when he would be cut off. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that shortly. So we go to Second Chronicles chapter 36, because in this book... Chronicle is like a recording of something. This is the record of, and it's the records of the kings of Israel. So the chronicles of the, uh, I think you've ever heard of the book, The Chronicles of Narnia? Yes, I used to love those books. Yes, C.S. Lewis, okay? It was the records of the kings. Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting that Aslan, the lion, Mm -hmm. is a picture of Christ, who's the king of Narnia. Really? Yeah, that's what C.S. Lewis was doing in all those books. He was trying to paint a picture of Jesus Christ. That is so awesome. Isn't that cool? Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true. So you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. 
Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. I have to reread those books now. If you read it with that in mind, it opens up a whole other world. Okay. It's a beautiful picture. It really is. So 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 22 says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, here's another name, Cyrus. Ooh. Okay that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia. Now try to picture in your mind, here's the king of the world. Okay. The Persian empire took over the Babylonian empire. Cyrus is now king. Uh, he came after Darius, which was king in the time of Daniel. Okay, but I was now, just about to ask about that. Yeah, so, so Cyrus kind of followed in his succession. I don't know which one he was, right? It wasn't right after, but he was sometime after. Okay. And when he comes into power, he decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let all these captive Jews go back to their land and rebuild their city. Now, why is that? And he funded it for them. You think, why is that? Now, this is going to be the amazing part. Okay. God prophesied his name before he was even born. God chose Cyrus, a Gentile ruler, to be the guy that would make possible to restore his people again. That's wild. That is wild. He's a type of something, I guarantee you. So he says, thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth uh, hath the Lord God of heaven. He acknowledges God. Mm -hmm. He he may worship all these idols, but he recognizes this God. And he says, all these uh, kingdoms hath the Lord God of heaven given me. And he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him and let him go. That was the decree. Are you a Jew? Are you one of God's people? You can go back into your land and rebuild the city. And the next book that follows is Ezra, which talks about the whole event. Yeah. How they rebuilt the city. So Cyrus, he said, God told me to do this. He charged me to do this. So that was the commandment to go forth. That was the decree. If you look in Ezra chapter 1, the very next book, the very next verse, verse 1, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. It's the same verse. Mm -hmm. The last verse of 2 Chronicles is the first verse of Ezra (laughs) chapter 1. And he says it again, thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia. The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth and hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. Who is there which uh, among all his people will go to do this? I'm paraphrasing. And he goes further and he says, and whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, where you're temporarily staying, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts besides the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. In other words, he said, not only can the Jews offer their own funds to do this, but anybody in my kingdom, if you want to help them out, you can help fund it. And that's how they gathered all the money they needed 
to rebuild the city. That's so awesome. It's amazing. It's really amazing. So he was prophesied centuries before he was born mm-hmm. in the book of Isaiah. Let's look at that. Isaiah chapter 44. This King Cyrus, you know, that used to be a common name, Cyrus. It's not nearly as common anymore. No, it definitely is But you think it should be because he was an honorable guy. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, in Isaiah 44, verse 28, and it's it's like Isaiah is speaking the words of God's prophecy many, many, many years before Cyrus was even born. Okay. And it says, that saith of Cyrus... He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden or held, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, Cyrus, and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut in sunder into the bars of iron, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden search riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. So Cyrus grew up in a pagan world. Mm-hmm. that worshipped all kinds of gods. He didn't know the God of Israel from Adam, right? Yeah. And yet God named him before he was even born. What were the chances that a man would be born named after the name that God prophesied from a heathen king that, whose family would have never known God in the first place? I don't know. <laughs> so that means that it is very likely that somebody like a Daniel somebody captive in Israel that was a righteous, upright person, Mm -hmm. eventually came to Cyrus at some point during his reign, and they said, yo, Cyrus. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly like that. (laughs) I'm one of your advisors from Israel, and I want to know, have you ever seen this passage here in Isaiah? And he would have shown it to Cyrus, and Cyrus might have read that and went, wow, he knew me? hundreds of years ago, I'm going to do this. Right. And so he made that decree. And that literally started the clock of the 70 weeks. So we know when it was that the king of Persia, Cyrus, made the decree that Israel could go back into their land. From history, it's 450 B.C. Oh, my land. It's crazy that Cyrus started it and all Israel had to do was confess and they still haven't done it. We're waiting on you guys. I'm telling you. And the irony is, here he is a Gentile king that made it possible for Israel to be restored into their land. Mm -hmm. Here we are in a dispensation of grace where Israel's not a people. The Gentile world is preaching the message of grace, and we're going to make it possible for Israel to go back into their land. So Cyrus is probably a picture of the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. Gentile world, in the world today, in wow. some form or fashion, you know, I've delved into the depths of that, but I bet you any money there's something to that. Mm-hmm. So when we go back to Daniel chapter nine, now we can put a marker on the start of the time. We know 450 BC is roughly in in secular history, mm-hmm. you know, the time in which that decree went forth. So he had said, "Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem." 
unto Messiah the Prince was Jesus, right? Would be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. So seven weeks and three score and two or 62 equals 69. So 69 weeks transpired from the decree to restore and build Jerusalem. 450 BC was when the decree went forth. You count backwards because we started AD when Jesus was born. Yeah. So he was born in the year zero, right? Mm -hmm. They started the clock. So 450 counts down. Now, what's interesting is Jesus Christ was born in that year zero Mm -hmm. at the end of the 450 years. He lived and grew up and started his ministry at 30. And he was crucified at 33. Did you know he was that young when he died? No. He was crucified when he was 33 years old. So we've got 450 years plus 33 mm-hmm. to the end of his life. If you add 33 to 450, you get 483. 69 weeks to the day. Of the 70 weeks, yeah. 69 weeks, 483 years. In the year Jesus died, it was the last year of the 69th week. Wow. That's crazy. It's crazy. And what we're going to find out is there's something significant about the day he died, because Jesus Christ died, we'll say, in that 483rd year, if we're talking the clock of this prophecy. Mm -hmm. It was 33 AD, the actual year, but in the 483rd year of the start of this prophecy of the 70 weeks, right? Okay. So it was week 69, and it was the last year of that week. Okay, and he was crucified in the on the fourteenth day of the first month of the year. Now we start our year in January. Yes. But the Jewish calendar didn't start in January. It started in the spring, early spring, and it started. Uh, and basically, the first feast of the first year of the year was called Passover. Now you've heard of that. Yes, I have. Okay. We use it and we say Easter. Okay. But the Jews celebrate Passover. Passover is a picture of Christ, but he and they they sacrifice a lamb, and they eat it. Okay. Okay. And they can't leave anything to remain till the morning, right? Well, the Passover is supposed to be symbolic of Israel's deliverance out of Egypt, but it's a picture of Jesus Christ. He's the Lamb of God, so he was killed on the day of Passover. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. A picture of that. But if you think about it, if it was January. And it was the 14th day of January. There's 11 and a half months left in that year. Yeah. All right? So even though their year wasn't starting in January, there's still 11 and a half months left in their year. Mm-hmm. And their year ends in the harvest, begins in the planting, and ends in the harvest. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we're going to find out that there's a parable Jesus Christ told. We're not going to talk about it today. But he talked about a fig tree that didn't have any fruit. And so he was going to cut it down. And the dresser of the vineyard said, don't kill it just yet. Give me the rest of the year. I'll dig it up. I'll fertilize it. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. And if it bears fruit later, great. We got a good crop. If it doesn't, then you can cut it down. And there's something very important about that. Because when he says, let it alone this year also, it was the year Christ died. And within one year of his death, something happened. That turned it from, that's, that was the day that God said, Israel, you're done. I'm turning my face. I'm hiding my face from you. Lo, I'm going to turn to the Gentiles. And that's when Paul became an apostle. Okay. We'll find out what happened. It had to do with the death of a man named Stephen. Stephen. Stephen, another name in the Bible. Yeah. Right. 
interesting. And you know, the names are very interesting. I bet if you researched your name, Zena, and find out how it originated, you're going to find out it has a meaning. Okay. So for example, I've got a son and his name is William. Mm-hmm. Okay. In French, it's Guillaume. Very and, fancy. In Spanish, it's Guillermo. Right? Oh, why is that? It's just how they pronounce the word William. It's just, okay. it's just that language is version of William. In, uh, in German, it's Wilhelm. Right? But William literally means conqueror. And there was awesome. a man in history whose name was William the Conqueror, right? <laughs> I'm telling you. So names have meanings, you know. There's something about that. If mm-hmm. you look them up, you'll find some fascinating things. I encourage anybody to research your name. You'll find some yes. cool things about it. Like the name Jacob means like a cheater. Not be named my kids, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jacob's a perfectly good name. But it, its origin means like he would he would hide an ace up his sleeve if oh, you were playing no. cards, you know. <laughs> And then, for example, like the name um, Israel means blessed of God. Mm -hmm. So God changed his name from Jacob to Israel because he got a blessing. Right. Right. Okay. So anyway, if we move forward then, so the seven weeks, he said he broke it up into three sections, seven weeks, three score and two weeks, and then one week. Mm -hmm. Total of 70. The seven weeks equals 49 years. Okay. Since a score is 20, three score is 60. Three score and two is 62, 434 years if you want to add 62 times seven. But the total of those two is 483 years, which ends up being from 450 BC to the day Christ died in that final year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, Daniel 9, verse 26 says, and after three score and two weeks, which was the 62 weeks, Mm -hmm. which came after the seven, so in essence, after three score and two weeks is pointing to the year in which Jesus died. Okay. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Christ died for the sins of the people. Yes. And the people of the prince that shall come, we'll get into that later, but something happens after this. So we've got a prophecy of Messiah being cut off, but not for himself. Now there is a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, that I, fi- I found out after doing some research that in Israel, when they study in uh, synagogue, mm-hmm. uh, the scriptures, they study the book of Isaiah. And there's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. So they might do one each Sabbath. You know, they might take a chapter of Sabbath or whatever, and they get through a year or whatever, how long it takes. They always skip Isaiah 53. Why is that? When you ask the rabbis... They say, oh, it's too confusing. It's, it's too hard to understand. And they just dismiss it as that. Well, let's go read it and let's see if we can figure out why they skip it. Okay. Okay, so remember, rabbis, Israel, modern Israel, modern Judaism, I'm talking, mm-hmm. okay? They don't believe Christ is Messiah. They're still blinded. Okay. Right? Okay, so if we go to Isaiah 53 and we read verse 1, here's what we find. Who hath believed our report? The news. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, He was despised, and we esteemed him not. I mean, we didn't give him any regard. Mm -hmm. Surely 
He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted like, you're a leper, you've got COVID, get away from me. (laughs) Verse five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Stripes is not like stripes of a shirt. Mm -hmm. When you were punished back in those days, they used to whip you with a cat of nine tails, which was a whip that had nine leather straps on them. And at the end of each strap was a metal barb. This gets graphic. They would lay a a strike upon you with that cat of nine tails. And when it hit, they yanked it across your back. And if you've ever seen a field being plowed with furrows for planting, that's what a back would have looked like. And they would do this 39 times as correcting somebody. Why 39? Because 40 would kill a man. Or, Or actually, I think the thinking was if more than 40 would kill a man, so they counted out 39 just in case because they didn't want to be guilty of murdering a guy, even though they shred his back to pieces. That's terrible. I know. And that's what happened to Jesus Christ before they crucified him. They laid 39 stripes on him with a cat of nine tails. The Roman government did. And then verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, if that's not a picture and prophecy of Jesus Christ, I don't know what is. Right? That literally describes him. And I know a man who's a pastor that... (laughs) <laughs> sort of smuggles Hebrew New Testaments into Israel from mm-hmm. time to time. And when he goes there, he asks people as he comes, uh, he, he times his trip to be in the timing when they study Isaiah chapter 54. Mm-hmm. And when he meets them, he starts up a conversation while he's in Jerusalem. He'll ask them, what did y'all study in synagogue last week? Oh, we studied Isaiah 54. Really? Did, what did you study the week before that? Chapter 53? No, we don't study 53. Why is that? Well, because the rabbis tell us it's too hard to understand. He said, have you ever read it? I said, no, I've never read it. His Hebrew New Testaments have the book of Isaiah chapter 53 in the back. And he says, would you like to read what it says? And he says, he's had grown Jewish soldiers weep openly in the street before him as they read these verses we just read. My goodness. Realizing that they've been lied to all their lives about Jesus. You know, it's amazing. It's a powerful verse. That's why they avoid it. They don't want, because remember, Satan has control of blinding people. Yes. So they don't want people to know the truth about Jesus Christ. It's really amazing, you know. So believe it or not, we've got more to cover. We do. And we're out of time. So there's going to have to be a part three to this. (laughs) I hadn't planned on it, but I'm glad because there's really a lot more to cover. So, uh, so far, what we know then is we've got 70 weeks. And 69 of those weeks were fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he died, when he was crucified. The truth of what he did is hidden by history, at least in Jewish history. Remember, they even said, you know, when they rolled away the stone and the tomb was empty when he rose from the dead, they were told by the Jewish people to the guards, they were told the guards to lie and say his body was stolen and we were asleep. Which a Roman centurion guarding a tomb, if he had fallen asleep, would have been executed. Oh my goodness. So they covered for him, and they, they paid their way out of the execution. And to this day, what's commonly reported about Jesus' resurrection is that his body was stolen. 
And that's what's taught in Israel as the truth. Yes, because we want to take time to still dead people. <laughs> and so the idea is, since there's blindness in part until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, that blindness could have been created through the lie that was taught, through Satan's machinations, mm -hmm. whatever. But when that fullness comes in and Israel does acknowledge their offense and make their confession, God's going to begin to restore things. So what we're going to look into, Lord willing, next week is we're going to get into... When did the clock stop? Why did it stop? And when is it going to start again? Yes. It's pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> because when it starts again, that's when the Lord is going to begin to pour his wrath out on this world. And then he's going to come back. What? what? Yep. So I hope you'll join us next week for part three of Daniel's 70 Weeks. And who knows, we might end up with a part four. <laughs> it's just that fascinating. It really, like I said, it is one of the key mysteries of the Bible. And when you get this... You begin to understand why the timing of things is happening the way it is. Yes. And why Satan knows he doesn't have much time left. So he's coming out of the shadows with his people in a big way right now. I'm just like, Lucifer, you can just stay hidden. It's fine. <laughs> We'd like that, right? <laughs> but actually, in reality, it's kind of good that he's exposing himself because then he's going to fulfill everything God wrote about him so he can finally be punished and we can put an end to all this so stuff. You just burn them up. I know it. I know it. But you hate to go through what we're going to have to go through to get there. I, I know. It just does not sound like fun. So but any, the end result will be worth it. The end result will be worth it. So anyway, thank you, Zena, as always, for being here. Of course. And thank you guys for listening every week. If you're new, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Like it, share it, and comment down below anything that you want us to talk about and new things that you've learned in our podcast. And we really do appreciate you listening. Till next week, have a great one, and we'll see you then. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to biblemysteries.supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.